Hello and welcome to Revolution 22's Sermon Podcast. We are a church from the downtown area in Boise, Idaho. Thank you for joining us today as we continue to learn from God's Word in the first epistle of Paul to the church in Corinth. We pray that God's Word will be received and will bear fruit in your life. Let me grab a seat. If you are willing, can you condense a little bit? There are some seats towards the front, not in the very front row. I know no one likes to sit there because of my breath or whatever the reason is. But we have a few more seats up here if you guys want to work this way. And we're also bringing out a few noisy metal chairs as well. There's this natural progression in life, and I'm always amazed by it. So my kids decided, thanks to the Morgan family here, that they wanted a bearded dragon. And so they've been working really, really hard to get this bearded dragon. We've had it in our house now for a week. And I am completely amazed at how fast these things grow. They, they literally, like, they shed their skin, like, every other day, and they're just get, it's, he's just getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And it, you see that across everything in life. That as time goes on, little babies become toddlers, and toddlers become little, little kids, and little kids become, hopefully, adults, and, and adults become old adults, and then we go back into the dirt, right? And so this is this progression of life, but ultimately, in every single... Yeah, that's not the nicest way to look at it, I'm sorry. Um, actually, the, the thing that perplexes me is if you look at most things that God had created, or maybe look at it this way, the things that Adam had named, almost everything has a true natural progression. They go from immature to mature. Of all of the God's creation, there's only really... I, I mean, I'm sure there's something, and you guys can prove me wrong, some of you smart people in here, but I couldn't think of much else in this world that could grow physically but not mature. They could get to a full-on like, adult status by what the definition of science would say, but still be completely immature. And the only ones I could think of that could do that are humans. Humans are very good about going around. We have a lot of grown men shaving that are still acting like children. We have a lot of people that have walked and, and, and grown up and, and not not because of any other reason other than their unwillingness to grow. And I'm sure there's other reasons why this happens to some. But really, of all the species in, in, the, in the wild, if you don't grow up, you get eaten. You're dinner to someone. And I don't think most humans are afraid of being dinner to someone by the time they grow up and aren't mature. But that's the only, only kind of creation that I saw of God's that was, that, that was true of that. The same is true of us spiritually. Spiritually, we, we, we begin our, our process, and some of us maybe have the story of we were really young, and we started to, to know the Lord, and so even when we came to know the Lord, we both grew in physicalness and also in spirituality, and so we were able to see this progression. Some of us have different stories where we, we came to know the Lord at adult age, and so we were, here we were 40 or 50 or 60 years old and, and a babe when it comes to spirituality. And really, the, the truth is, is that humans are the only ones that seem to, to stunt themselves, to keep themselves from growing beyond areas and, and ways that they're going. And this is one of the things the Apostle Paul has been trying to battle with the church in Corinth. And so if you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. If you don't have a Bible, just slip your hands up. The ushers will grab one for you. Um, this is one of the, those texts that offers a tenderhearted hope and a, and a tough-minded warning for us. Depending upon where you are, the hope is especially intended for those that are struggling Christian faith, and the warning is especially intended for the complacent or lazy drifter in faith. And so depending upon where you are, my assumption is, is as we listen to this text, most likely you are, if you, if you claim or bear the name of Christ, you're either going to be encouraged by this text or incredibly convicted by it. If you don't know the Lord, then this will be an opportunity for you to see that there's actually hope and, and, a, and a patient 
patient God. But that's where this text is. And again, this comes back, the Apostle Paul brilliantly, he, he teases out in the first chapter this idea of church divisiveness. And then he talks about it a little bit and he kind of moves on. And so maybe if the, since this is one of the biggest issues in the church in Corinth right at this time was, was factions, they kind of maybe, oh, okay, we move past that argument. He comes right back into it and he talks about how and why this is happening and he lays it out to help them understand that it, it's, it's tied to their maturity and the message that he has been trying to give them. So let's, let's dig in here. Um, chapter three, verse one. But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I'm going to pause there. First chapter. First thing he does, and this is, this is so important. Before he chastises them, he again reminds them that they're brothers. And maybe for you today, before we go any further, you just need to be reminded that, that you are the Lord's child. You have been adopted into his community through the work of Jesus Christ. He says, hey, my brothers, brothers, I, I, I can't speak to you as spiritual people, but I can only speak to you as infants, as people of the flesh. Now, we, have to, we defined terms last week because we said if we don't, it's going to mess us up. Spiritual people, again, remember, spiritual people are those that live in accordance with God's saving work through Christ by his spirit. These are the people that, that live, that, don't, that, that not only believe in Jesus Christ, but their life shows this. They see, you see this, this actually playing out. The, the implications of God's salvific, salvation in his life is playing out in the way they live and do and interact. And then the natural person was the progression or the, the polarization that he had in the text just before this in chapter 2. The natural person was someone devoid of the Spirit of God. The natural person is someone that is, that is not following the Lord. Okay, and then he pulls in another word, and he says, the flesh, and depending upon your, 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 your version of the text, it may say carnal, the carnal person. This word, it's, it's a Greek word that's super close to the natural person, but it's actually a different word. And this word has a different meaning. And when I looked into flesh in the scripture, flesh is at least used seven different ways in the New Testament alone. We're not going to go through all those, okay? Save you guys some time. But there's about seven different ways, plus a, a few I'm sure that I missed, that, that flesh is used in the New Testament. In this context, the way that the Apostle Paul is using the flesh, he's one of the ones that uses it the most. The way he's using it is flesh as a fallen sinfulness. It's, it's best to be understand that those who are fleshly are in Christ, but are babes in Christ. Those in the Spirit yet do not walk according to the Spirit. The Spirit of God dwells in them, yet the Holy Spirit is not allowed to have full control over them, and they are still walking like man. Another way to describe what it means that the Corinthians can be in Christ and still be fleshly is this. A scholar wrote it this way. He said, justification precedes and supports sanctification. We are accepted with God and placed in the shelter of Christ's righteousness before we gain total victory over our old nature. We can be reckoned righteous before we are righteous. We share in the righteousness of Christ before we become fully Christ-like. This is why I think this text can be a word of hope for a Christian struggler today is that many of us today have these battles, these struggles that we're wrestling with. And we keep going back to them, and we keep getting frustrated with ourselves, and we keep maybe making the promise of God, I don't want to do it again, and we have this battle. This text can tell us, look, there is a way for us to be in Christ and still lack maturity in areas of our life. Even the Apostle Paul says, why do I do the things that I don't want to do? So there is a way that we can struggle and wrestle and battle and still know that we are ultimately secure and saved and a part of God's kingdom through Jesus Christ. So we have these three categories of people that the Apostle Paul is talking about. We've got the natural person out of 2.14. 
the person who has no spiritual life and who can't recognize anything compelling in the gospel. We have the spiritual person in 2.15 or mature person in 2.6, the person who is deeply controlled by the Holy Spirit, that he can receive and value any level of biblical truth. And then this third group is a group of people in between whom Paul calls not spiritual and not natural, but fleshly or babes in Christ. And so the Apostle Paul is saying, look, it's not that there's this, this hierarchy that's happening. It's that it's, there's a natural progression to, to hearing the, the, the testimony of the crucified Christ on the cross. When you hear that, that first belief that comes from the work of the Holy Spirit, what God has done in your life, that first belief, no matter how, whether you can shave or you can't shave, whether you, have, you are a grandparent or you're still a child, you enter in as a babe in Christ. You come in at the very beginning as a babe in Christ. And so he says, Paul's purpose is not to accuse the Corinthians of not having the Spirit. Again, we've talked about this. He, he knows that he's seen the work of the Holy Spirit in their lives. In fact, the work of the Holy Spirit in their life is where they started to boast and, and faction and, and divide because they were seeing who was holier than thou and, and who, who had more value. And so he's saying, look, I'm not denying that Christ is in your life. I'm telling you that I couldn't speak to you of the maturity, the compelling things, the, the amazing work of the redemption of Christ because of your lack of maturity. We couldn't go beyond the crucified Christ because of your lack of maturity. We couldn't go into the deeper things. The, the, the author of Hebrews says the same thing. He says you should, be, you should be teachers of the word by now, but you still need milk. Milk is not invaluable. Milk is a very valuable thing. Essentially, milk is the teaching of the crucified Christ in Jesus. So let me read um, verse 2 and 3. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now, you are not ready for it. For you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? Okay, so he starts out the very beginning. He says, look, I, I couldn't, I couldn't, I fed you with milk because you weren't ready for anything else. I fed you with this milk because it, it would be ridiculous for me to feed a T-bone steak to an infant. It doesn't make sense. You weren't ready to receive it. You weren't ready to digest it. You, you, couldn't, you couldn't take it in. It would only confuse you and, 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 and maybe cause more struggles than necessary. And so he said, look, I came with milk. I came with the basic message of Jesus Christ, which he spent a ton of time talking about in the first two chapters. I won't, I won't dive into it today. I encourage you just to go back and listen to it. He says, I came with the best thing. And here's where the, here's where the, the scripture gets difficult. See, it's very gentle and encouraging. It says, look, you, you weren't ready. There's, there's a fleshly that exists because you're an infant that's totally acceptable, that's expected. There's no assumption that there should be any other posture for someone who is new in Christ. But then he changes his tense in the way he's speaking. He says, for you were not ready for it, and even now you aren't ready for it. And this is where the hard part of this message comes. And she says, look, people, church, you weren't ready at the beginning when I first taught you. This is some three to five years later, and you're still not ready. Something has gone wrong. Something is, is, is not working. The reason why the Apostle Paul says this is because the Scriptures point out that Jesus begins a work in us and that he will complete it. There is this sanctification process that will happen in your life. And he's saying, you... You brothers, sisters, you, you're not ready still for the message that you should have been ready for by this point. You have stunted your growth, and here's how I know. Here's how I know you've stunted your growth. Because there's jealousy and strife. 
because you're divided, because of the very questions that were brought to me by Chloe's house. You, you, are, you are divided, and all these things that are going on. So milk is the teaching that is uniquely designed to get a proud sinner started on a path of humility and hope, mainly the word of the cross, the message of Christ crucified. Or to put it this way, what, is, what about a person makes them unable to digest solid food? It's pride. Or to put it positively, to properly digest solid food, it takes humility. The reason why they lack maturity is because pride is still in place. Self-exaltation self is in place. They have more desires to, to look at themselves and look at what God is doing through them and taking credit for it when the Apostle Paul says, look, you have no reason to boast. It was all God's work. If you're going to boast in anything, boast in Christ and what he's doing. And the pride of these individuals has stunted their growth. And dare I say today, the church, the same is true of us. The reason why we haven't matured is because we have pride, because we believe we can do it on our own, because we believe that we don't need God's work or the Holy Spirit to do it, because we, we believe we don't need his manual that he's, he's preserved for us through all history. We believe that this isn't living and active. This is just built of ideas that we should just kind of like, and if we don't like them, we'll find someone that, that agrees with us and just go that way. Pride is what stunts our growth. You know what's incredible is he doesn't say he doesn't say it takes more intellect to mature. It doesn't take more intellect to grasp. What it takes is less jealousy and strife, less pride and self-assertion. The solid food is not for smart people. It's for humble people, people who have stopped pursuing the pleasures of self-confidence and self-exaltation and self-determination. In fact, what causes this word of hope in this text to become a word of serious warning is the fact that they should not be where they are right now. And I wonder for you, as, as, I, as I was studying this week, like, I wonder if, if I just had a, a chance, an opportunity to just kind of sit down with, with the Apostle Paul in my life, what, what would his letter say to me? What would he look at me and say, look, Bren, I love you and I care about you and I know you are the Lord's child, but look right here. Your pride has welled up in this way and because of that, you're lacking maturity. You're a grown adult operating spiritually like a baby in this area. He says there's two kinds of worldly people. There's the people that are babes in Christ. They're babies. They're infants. That's okay. They're still operating in the flesh. They haven't learned or become accustomed to what it means to be led by the Spirit. But then there's the other. It's those that know what it's, it's supposed to be and know what it's like, but choose to walk in the flesh. You know, the Apostle Paul gives us a, a bit more of an exhaustive list in Galatians when it comes to what is the difference between flesh and and spiritual. Here, I mean, he just gives us jealousy and strife and says those are the two, but, but in Galatians, I think it's helpful for us to go look at that real quickly. In Galatians 5, verses 16 through 26, I skipped a, a couple sections just to shorten it. He says, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Do you, do you see that at the very beginning? What is the solution to not living by the flesh? What is the solution to not being fleshly? To walk by the Spirit. Walking was, a, was a, a complete, obvious statement of just living for most Jewish people. They understood that walking wasn't just an idea of like physically walking. It was literally to live in light of, to, to move yourself in this way. You want to understand how to be mature and how to live in, in light of God's wisdom and at the age-appropriate le, uh, level of your spirituality? Then walk by the Spirit. That's 
the difference. He says, for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit. They don't work together. And the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. A little bit further down. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, division, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. It's a pretty exhaustive list, but not everything. But the fruit of the Spirit is this, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, or envying one another. Look, he's saying, look, this is at war in us. Until Jesus comes back, this is at war in us. Our flesh is going to be at war with the Spirit of God that is inside of us, that indwells us because of our belief in Jesus Christ. They're at war with each other. When you look at that list... Do you lack maturity? I would start there. I would start there. If you lack maturity, if people can't say, man, that Bren, he's just so joyful and loving and peaceful and patient and kind and good and faithful and gentle and self-controlled, if that's not what is true of me, then I'm most likely walking of the flesh in those areas. I'm not going to be perfect, and that's the, that's the encouraging part to this text, is that the apostle says, look, you're still a follower. You're still a child of God, and God promises he will complete his work in you, and that does, God does not break a promise. He has proven time and time and time and time again that he is going to finish the work that he has started, and he is trustworthy to keep his promises. So the apostle Paul says there's this third group of people, these people that have grown up and have not really matured in their process of God. These people that have been walking with the church, and we, we know them today, come on. Every single one of us have met someone that's like, oh yeah, I was raised in the church, I lived my whole life there, and, and I, just, I, just, I just gave up on it. It was, all, it was all pooey, and it didn't make sense, and I'm done with it. We have those people that are, that are here today that have been growing. They're like, I've, been, I've heard every single message there is to heard. I've read, I've read the Bible back and forth a million times, and yet you're still immature. Here's the reason why this text is incredibly difficult. Not just because of the fact that we can recognize that there are complacent or lazy Christians amongst us, that we have propensity to become complacent or lazy and to start to drift. But the Apostle John tells us that there are those that were of us that were never really of us and then left. So the question begins to say this. If you are a follower of Jesus, if you have given your life to God, if you have faithfully given yourself to him and you are just immature, well, the good news is, is that God is going to mature you. And sometimes he's going to do it through discipline. And sometimes he's going to do it through his own means and his own timing. The danger is this, is that there are some that are here today that have professed Jesus Christ but lack all maturity and will truly show in time that they were never truly of God. And that's the most scary thing ever. Not that every single one of us needs to go, am I that person? But for those of us that continue to give ourselves willfully to the flesh, over and over and over again. It's no longer a struggle. It's no longer a battle. We just don't care. You're in a very dangerous spot. The solution to indulging the flesh is to walk by the Spirit. The Apostle Paul goes on here, and he, he, 
he does this because this is kind of the, the way the factions were coming was through the, the different leaders, Apollos and, and Cephas and, and the Apostle Paul. And he just, he just says him and Apollos today in this section. But he goes on to, to essentially like lay out something that I think most of us struggle with when we think about spirituality. Because even when I think about maturity, some of you right now, you haven't been thinking about yourself. You've been thinking about your spouse or someone else. Right, you've been thinking about that person at that other church, this thing. Like you've, you've allowed yourself to start going and start like, okay, well, I'm not as immature as this person, so I'm doing pretty good, as if the work is yours anyways. The Apostle Paul does something brilliant here. Is he, he, he levels the playing field altogether. Let's look at it in verses 4 through 9. He says, for when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Paulus, which is what was going on in this time. Remember, this is why he did so much work on his, on his teaching. He said, look, I didn't come with eloquent words to try and win you over. Apollos is a better speaker than I am. That's not the point. Apollos and I are not in contradiction with each other. We're not, we're not on opposite sides. We are saying the same message. And he says, for when you say this, are you not being merely human? Are you not walking in the flesh? When you even utter those statements, when you even speak of divisiveness, you're walking in the flesh. A modern-day version of this is comparing one church to another, one pastor to another, one podcast person to another. You're walking in the flesh when you do that. He goes on, says, What then is Apollos and what is Paul? Servants, bondservants, through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. So look, you believed, but it was assigned by the Lord. It wasn't us doing it. You just believe through us serving the Lord. He's, he's establishing the playing field. You ready? He goes on. He says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. It wasn't me and it wasn't Apollos and it's not any other individual in your life. It's God who grows you. It's God who grows you. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything but only God who gives growth. He's saying, he's saying look, we're nothing compared to God. We're nothing compared to God. If you have an unhealthy like, celebrity status view of someone in your life that is a follower of Christ, you have to recognize that they are not in any way, shape, or form on a higher ground than you as a follower of Jesus. We are compared to God. We are all nothing. We are valued by him. He sent his son to die for us. We get to be in relationship with him. But when you compare us character to each other, we are nothing compared to how great and wonderful God is. He who plants and he who waters are one. So you say, look, Paul and I are one. It doesn't matter what ministry you do, you are one. There isn't some other second tier level of spirit ministry. The spirit of God is one. And the spirit of God living and working through every individual is one. Whether you serve in preaching, whether you serve in a way that no one will ever see it, you are one with each other. And no one is higher than the other. No one is valued more than the other. You're one. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. He goes on in the next text where we will carry from here. But one thing I want to point out that's really, really, really important is that God tells us something here through the Apostle Paul that's, that's just profound, I think, missed a lot of times because we start getting hyper-focused on divisiveness and strife and enmity and all the other things that we're doing according to the flesh. He says, look, you are nothing, but God rewards you according to what? Your labor. You see that? He doesn't, he doesn't reward you according to your results. This is important for us to grasp. 
Some people right now, you are in here, you're exhausted from serving. Like, all I do is, is change poopy diapers in the, no, in the nursery. What, what good is it doing? I don't see anything. I and mean, people aren't high-fiving me, but the person that's up here playing guitar gets high-fives all the time. Like, you're comparing yourself to someone, and you guys are exactly even. And he says, and God doesn't say, I will reward you for how well you changed that diaper or how well you played guitar or how well you preached a sermon. I will reward you for your labor. I will reward you for being obedient to my calling in your life. I will award you for being obedient to the Spirit of God and letting Him lead you to do the very things that I created, before, created for you to do beforehand. He promises a reward. We see this in Revelations eleven eighteen, just after He promises the other stuff, the opposite of reward. <laughs> the rewarding your servants, the prophets and saints, and those who fear your name. There's a time when the Lord is going to reward you for your labor. And yet so many of us are so immature, we are not laboring at all. And the motivation isn't, well, if there's, a, if there's a prize on the end of it, then I should start doing something. The prize is, is being in the presence of God through the work of Jesus Christ. That's the greatest and best prize we could ever have. But there is something to be said about recognizing that there is a reward for those in their labor. And he says, look, Paul is not saying don't do work. He's not saying don't because he's going to go into, look, these spiritual gifts have a purpose for building up the church. So it'd be foolish for him to say, hey, just stop doing everything altogether. It doesn't matter. But he's saying, Apollos, Paul, or, or Joe, or Bill, or anyone, it doesn't matter. We're all on a level playing field. We're all nothing compared to God, but yet valued because of what God has done through Jesus Christ for us. And he will reward us for our labor, not our results. Look, I get it. If you're in college, it's results that get you the degree. Work, if you don't get results, you're going to lose your job. I get, this world is so results-based, but here, right here, God tells us, no, no, I'm going to reward you for your labor. Why? Because the results are his. He's the one that grows. I didn't save anyone. I didn't do anything. I was just a faithful servant of God, obedient to his spirit working through me, and God, through his spirit, in this other individual did something. I was a conduit that, had the, the, that God had the mercy to allow me to be a part of. It's not me. It's not you, it's, it's him. He's the one that grows. So which comes back to the question of our maturity. If he's the one that's growing, why are we immature? Why do we lack maturity? Because we're choosing to walk according to the flesh instead of living by the power of the spirit that God has graciously given every single person that surrenders their life to Jesus Christ. You can walk in the flesh or you can walk in the spirit. By their behavior, the Corinthian Christians show themselves, in general, to be still infants. It's their behavior that shows this. It's not their head knowledge. It's their behavior. So many of us get stuck in trying to learn more and more and more and listen to this podcast and study this way, and, and your head knowledge is so high, and you have this big old brain, but your behavior is still infant, maybe toddler. They are thus not mature, not spiritual, and therefore not ready for Christian wisdom. What about you? Where are you in your maturity level? Is this letter written to you? Is the Apostle Paul or the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul speaking to you today? Pulling up and saying, no, no, look, look. You've been following me now for a while. God, God, is, God has, been, has been drawing you out. He, he brought you to him. And you've been proclaiming my name for a long time, but you are so immature. And he's going to say, look, here's, here's the list. Is it, is it sexual immorality? Is it impurity? Is it sensuality? Is it idolatry? Is it sorcery? Is it enmity? Enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, en envy drunkenness, orgies, and things like these? Is it that? Is that what it is? Because if it is, trust me, I'm doing something in the spirit and you need to stop operating in the flesh. 
This text today will either encourage you to give yourself to walking in the Spirit or to continue to walk by your own self-gratifying ways. That's what this text is going to be. It's either going to be an encouragement. You're going to see, man, I, like, I'm, I'm 30 years old. I'm 20 years old. I've been following the Lord for five years. I've been following the Lord for 10, 10 years. And, and when I look at my maturity journey, I saw this, this spike of excitement super early on, and then I just plateaued out. And now I'm just grasping at straws, hoping that someone will tell me something in some podcast or some sermon that will spark some kind of interest in me and will somehow prove that I'm mature when the actual metric for maturity is the behavior, not the head knowledge. If we can't be convinced by the Spirit of God, then we are at risk of not knowing God. I want to I say this, and again, I want to be careful in this because this text isn't meant to just be a punch in the face, although some of us may receive it this way. No one stands up on their wedding day and says, I can't wait to love you for five years and then divorce you. I've done a lot of weddings. That's never been in any of the vows, okay? No one ever plans for that. Just like my assumption is many of you here today didn't say, I'm going to go to church and then three years from now, I'm going to hopefully be so mad at God and the church that I will completely denounce them altogether. No one, no one wakes up and says, I can't wait to do that. What happens is drifting, complacency. You hide behind theology. You run from it. You walk according to the flesh. You cause divisions. When you disagree with something, instead of dealing with it in a, in a godly way, you hide or run or scream on, on, on social media instead. No one ever says that, but here's, here's the truth. Here's, here's the truth, and I'm going to push on you just a little bit, and then I'll, I'll ease up, okay? God says you are either his or you are not. There is no in-between. So if you are his and you are immature, then you will not desire forever to stay immature. If you are his and you would be considered a babe in Christ 20 years into following the Lord. You're like, man, I have been following the Lord forever. I got all kinds of head knowledge, but my behavior shows that I am completely an infant. I'm barely a toddler. I'm still wearing diapers. I'm still in need of milk. If that's you, the Spirit of God will not let you stay there because God is not going to allow your stubbornness to break his promise. But there are some of you that have been walking around pretending to be led by the Spirit. When the truth is, you've just got a really great way of hiding your flesh like spiritual things. And it would be wrong of me as, as your pastor to say, look, if you haven't surrendered your life to Jesus, if the, if the Spirit is not inside of you, I don't care how strong or how, how persistent or how much ability you have to go through the motions it's an exhaustible resource. You will run out sooner or later. Self-control will run out. You, if you are doing it on your own, you cannot carry on. And sooner or later, people go, what, what happened to this person? And it's not our place to judge. It's, it's like not condemn judge. That's, that's God's and God's alone. We can, as believers, judge the work of the Spirit in one another in a non-condemning way. We're commanded to do that, actually. But what will happen? And my fear is, You'll say the things to Jesus, like, did we not do these many great things in your name? Did we not prophesy in your name? Did I not serve in your church over and over again? Did I not give you money? I gave you more than 10%. I was faithful in all those things. And my fear is that some of us will meet the Lord, and he'll say, away from me, I never 
knew you. That is a truth that comes out of this text. My, my hope in a room this size is that's a very small, small amount. And that realistically, most of us just need to recognize that the Spirit of God is, is pleading for us to, to pursue God, to make much of God. He's, he's pushing us to live in light of the gifts that God has already given us before we were even born so that God can bring glory to himself through our lives. The band's going to come up and we're going to um, continue to worship. And as they do, I just I want to encourage you in this way. No matter how immature you are, if you're like, man, I know the Lord. I, I know I believe that. It wasn't just some emotional response. Like, I truly surrendered to the Lord. I saw his work in me. The Apostle Paul acknowledges at the very beginning of this book, I see the work of the Spirit in you. So that can't happen unless you're God's. So you are brothers and sisters. You are children of God. No matter how immature you are, here's the most amazing and beautiful promise you can ever hang your hat on. God is ridiculously patient. He is incredibly gracious. And he will, if you are his, he will have his way with you, and he's very patient about it. For us, it's like, oh, it's taken like 10 years, and he's like, hey, your whole life is a vapor to me. This isn't that long. He is incredibly patient. So if you lack maturity, it's not a, okay, well, I need to gain more head knowledge, or I need to do these things. It's how do I actually let, let the Spirit walk through me? How do I walk with the Spirit? Where is gentleness lacking and goodness and kindness and patience and peace and joy and self-control. Where, where am I lacking in those things? Because it's not something that I'm going to muster up. It's something that the Spirit's going to have to do through me. My hope is that we can be a church of people that are mature, especially when you think about where the Apostle Paul is going to go in this book. I don't know if you've read ahead, but there's some fun subjects that I'm not really looking forward to preaching. <laughs> but if we lack maturity, we'll never, ever get through that without being divided. And, and God is very, very clear. There is one spirit, one baptism, one God, one Christ. There is not to be division or factions. And so if you are pursuing division, if you are giving yourself to the division, if you are speaking that, you're walking in the flesh and you're spiritually immature. God, I thank you for your word. Even though it can be so confrontational at times, God, I pray that it's not me that people would see as the confrontation, but that your spirit would be convicting the way that he is always doing, pushing on us to be more like your son, Jesus. Father, as we um, continue to move forward in this text, I pray that we would give you honor and glory in every way of our lives. God, for those of us that are behaviorally infants, I pray that you would help us to move to the next stage. Help us be excited that we get out of diapers. Help us be excited that we can actually run and not fall on our face. God, would you, would you, would you grow us into maturity? God, for those individuals that are in here that... that or maybe truly asking the question, like, am I really even a child of you, God? Would you speak boldly to them? Would you remind them that there are no accidents in your work, um, that no one is too far gone? God, for the individuals in here that are like, man, I am completely immature. Like, I am, I'm like still in the womb in my maturity in this area of my life. God, would you, would you breathe life into maturity into them? Would you help them to walk by the Spirit and not the flesh in any of these areas, God? And would we be a church that would be so unified and not divided, that people outside this church would go, I want to belong like they belong. I want to be one like they are one. We love you, God, and we thank you for, for all you're doing in our lives. Even if we're, we're moving slower than we thought, we're so grateful that you promised to finish the work that you started. Pray that we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus Christ, continue to surrender ourselves to your spirit, and that he would make much of your son, Jesus, through our lives. And we would never, ever, ever give ourselves credit for pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.
Thank you for listening to our podcast. To find out more about our church, please visit revolution22.org. We encourage you to not neglect meeting together as believers. And may you continue to love God and love others.